Now, I want you today to join with me on a journey. Of, we're going to go for about three weeks from the pulpit, and I'm going to talk to you about something that is very, very dear to my heart because God, in all the areas, the way he teaches us that he is God, the thing I'm going to talk to you about for the next three weeks is very controversial, so I want to say this out front. I'll tell you what it is, because some of you may want to leave right now. But God has very clearly, over and over and over and over, has revealed to us individually and collectively that when we get one thing settled in our life as to who we are and why we are here, and how God works for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And when you discover that, you will find heaven on earth. You will find that the little simple scriptures like my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And you will understand that when you cross over that bar that you have to cross over because every single one of us were born selfish. Every single one of us learned me, 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 mine, mine, mine from the time we could even think and then we started verbalizing it. But when you cross over to understand the best things come to you through gifts, and the best gift you ever get is a gift of eternal life that was given to you by a gracious heavenly father through the sacrificial giving of his son Jesus. He went to a cross, then rose from a grave, and lives right now looking for people that will be brothers and sisters with him to fulfill the rest of the story until God's kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. In order to do that, you've got to break a chain. The chain you have to break is a chain of selfishness and me and mine. And start understanding the only happy people there are in the world that are consistently happening in good times and bad times are the givers. And those that are never happy in the good times or the bad times are not. They have no comprehension of what it's like to be still and know that he is God and that he owns everything and it all belongs to his kids who will use it in the way that he wants it used and then be assured that God will supply their personal needs at the same time he will allow them to be a part of the blessing of carrying the simple gospel to the uttermost part of the world. And so, I'm going to talk to you about giving. And yes, I will talk to you about filthy lucre. You say, I don't like people telling me what to do with my money. Well, I thank you very much. I won't be talking to you about your money because you don't have any. God owns it all. You own nothing, absolutely nothing. And if your undertaker has to whisper that to you when somebody else is paying for your funeral, you left that money behind too. And so I'm ready to debate you in love. I'm ready to love you anyway. You can't make me mad because I know whom I have believed 
And I'm persuaded he's able to do for anybody what he's done in the lives of many people that you know, and many of my members of Sagemont Church. We celebrate 50 years because of the faithfulness of a core group of Sagemont families through the years. God has done exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask. So I want you to have a little bit of sense of humor. Last, laugh at yourself. Don't look quite as serious as you think you look. And understand that God does have a sense of humor. So if you think it's your money, God can just have a twinkle in his eye and says, well, we'll find out one day who's right. But I want you to get a hold of something that will change you forever. I want you to get a hold of the fact that God has made it very clear that he is a giver and he's looking for givers. And one day there'll be a celebration and all the givers will be invited. Now for us, we can be givers because we have been given salvation through Jesus Christ. So when we come to stand before the Lord or kneel before the Lord or bow before the Lord, we will be able to say when the Father asks, were you faithful? He knows the answer, but he wants to see the smile on our face when he says, yes, Lord, we were faithful. And he said, well, enter now the joy of the Lord. So pay attention. Make sure you hear what I say so you don't disagree with something you didn't even hear. Or if you heard it, you did not understand it. Let me read for you from God's Word. Proverbs 3, 9, the wisdom book, written by Solomon, mega-wealthy Solomon. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all of your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. Listen to Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all, it'll be measured to you again. I've entitled the message today, Ask Not What God Can Do For You. Now that's a little plagiarism on a former president who dealt with ask not what your country can do for you, but do what? Ask what you can do for your country. How about God, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, asking the same question? Don't ask me what I can do for you. What are you going to do for me? I've given it all. I've done what I can do. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to be like those that have never known me, never met me, or are you going to move up and understand that my ways are higher than man's ways? My ways are so far superior, they cannot understand. They, they continue to believe that happiness is just one purchase away. Happiness is just one raise away. If I could just have more money, I would be much happier Oh, no, you wouldn't. Oh, no, you wouldn't. There is no place in the Bible where it tells you if you have a lot of money, you're going to be happy. 
Well, let me just tell you what the Bible does say. Maybe you don't know this. Do you know that the Bible contains more than 500 references to prayer, almost 500 references to faith, but there are more than 2,000 references to money and possessions in the Bible? Think about that. There are 38 parables in the Bible that Jesus told in the Gospels. 16 of them deal with how we handle our possessions and our money. Jesus said more about money and possessions than he did about heaven and hell combined. One out of every 10 verses in the Gospels deals with money or our possessions. 200 and 88 verses in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are 288 verses having to do with our possessions. Now, I get that from Philip Yancey, a very respected author. A man that studies intently the Scripture as a scholar, and he is able to put down what he researches in a way that simple people like me and most of you can understand. God made it very clear when he wrote the scripture, knowing how people were going to be in 2016 in Houston, Texas. And the same is true around the world. They would come to that point where they were so much in the world that they began to think like the world. They began to act like the world. They began to use God's money like the world uses the money that they have and not understand why they don't seem to ever have anything. Did you ever think that everything from, from Genesis 1-1 in the Bible has to do with giving? How God just, he just gives and then when, there's some chapters and verses written and then there's another gift so forth. Let me just give you one. You remember Genesis 1-1? God did what? Gave us the what? The heavens and the earth. Remember that one? Got that one? All right. He started giving with creation. He went all the way to being a giver of our salvation. Do you believe that? For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave. Who was the world? Us. What did he give? His Savior. Why? In order that who? We. That would believe on him would have eternal, everlasting life and would be an adopted child of God and an heir of God, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and would be able to move about knowing that there is a God that will take care of my needs according to his riches if I will walk in obedience to his leadership. Very, very strong. Well, God created the heavens and the earth. What happened next? God gave light. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Verse 9, then God gave water. Verse 11, then vegetation, fruit trees, vegetables, seeds. Verse 14 of Genesis chapter 1, God gave light to the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars. Then God gave us birds, creatures, fish. Then he gave us in verse 24, cattle, beasts, ground crawlers. That means snakes. (laughs) And then God gave man. Now, I want to pause here for a moment and tell you something that's kind of interesting. Yesterday, I had the privilege to be with over 3,000 ladies at the Sugar Creek Baptist Church, and our church was honored by that 
uh, ladies group as one of 12 churches in Houston and have made a tremendous impact on the city of Houston. And Tony Evans was our speaker. And Tony Evans has always been one of my favorite uh, people, and I love him personally, and I, I try to read everything that he writes and listen to him every time I can. He said something yesterday that I said, I got to throw this into my sermon tomorrow. He was talking about how God made man. How did he make man? He just picked up a wad of dirt and just kind of threw it and said, there's a man. That was it, guys. That was it. I guess we're the foundation, don't you think? Because what does it say about the women? Well, go to Genesis 2, 22. He took a rib out of Adam and began to fashion them. He began to carefully make them. He didn't go, whoop, boom. He just said, these dumb men, they're dumb as dirt. <laughs> they're going to need somebody to help them think right. <laughs> and I know it may mean me having to cut up some of my plastic cards, but in the same token, I know that God is wanting to do something in our family. God made us different, folks, male and female, never were the same weren't made the same, and change the laws like you want to, they never will be the same. But they make what's called a family. And a family is one of the sweetest, greatest creations of God. He gave them children and grandchildren, on and on the stories go. Oh, how God has blessed so many of us. Now, Everything that God gave until he took that wad of dirt and threw it out there was a giving. It was at man that there began to be a rebellion. It's mine and I'm going to keep it. I earned it. I deserved it. I inherited it. I whatever. And I am not going to be a giver. I'm going to be a taker. Genesis 2, 5. The plants were there. Would it sprout? Would it reproduce? What's going to happen? Well, we know what it did. It began to bloom. It began to blossom. It began to produce the fruit. And the fruit would bring joy to so many different things because even the plant gave. The birds began to sing. And man began to enjoy the singing and then the animals, and on and on we could go. But I just want to make my point. I've got to move quickly along here. But my question I ask you now from your standpoint, do you think that most people are givers? Or do you think most people are takers? Do you think most people enjoy seeing their fellow employees get the raise when they don't or get the promotion when they don't? Do you think most people like to give up their favorite parking place or their favorite place at church to sit to somebody else? What do you think? From your viewpoint, the street you live on and the age that you are, what do you think? Do you think man continued on? Well, let's see what the scripture says. Verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, listen, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. God says in the 29th verse, I've given you everything, everything. And the question is, or it is implied, what have you given? 
What have you done to make this world a better place? You say, well, I've given my criticisms. And if you want to know my opinion, I will give it to you. And I, I will give you advice. And if you want to taste my anger, I'll give you a little of that. No. What has God given you that you've given back? Of time, of talent, of your finances or material things. Well, we move on. You remember the seventh day, man was to rest. And he was to look back at the blessings of Monday through Saturday. And on that day, he was to worship and he was to sanctify his thoughts. And so he, you know, it was custom of Jesus to go to the house of worship on the Sabbath. And for his followers to go. Uh, one of the big things when we come to worship the Lord is we come together to re be reminded how much God has blessed us, how he has allowed us to live another week, how he has blessed us in whatever way we want to add up. That's what worship is. It's not coming, what are you going to give me? You better sing the song I like. You sure better let me sit where I want to sit. And if anybody got my parking place out there, God have mercy on them. I'm going to get out early. When you give the invitation, I'm going out there. I'm going to meet whoever got my parking place. And I'm going to tell them real quick because that's just the way I am. Well, you need to be born again. You need to become a child of God. It's good sometimes to move over and let other people be blessed. And for you to say, such as I have, give I unto you. Well, what should we do when we worship? Could we pray? God loves to hear his children pray. Should we serve? Yes, we're to serve. We're to serve. We're to take our gifts and we're to use them for the glory of God. We're to take our life and make sure that we worship, we pray, we serve, and we give. Now, God had blessed Adam abundantly, given him a beautiful wife, all the animals, let him name them, and then put him in that gorgeous world and then said, now, there's one thing, Adam, you're not to do. One thing, one commandment. I'm going to test you. There is one tree here among thousands. Don't eat that fruit. One, not ten, one. What did he do? What did this man do? Well, you know the story. Eve and Adam became takers and not givers. Bad, bad choice. This would be passed to their children. The same thing is true today. What he did that day affected Adam's life from then on and Eve. Anytime a person makes a decision that is all about me, your world begins to fall apart. The world does not rise and fall in order to please me or to please you. And when you think it does, you're going to have trouble all the days of your life. 
Well, God gave Adam his wife. And verse 6 says in the third chapter, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes. Does that sound like a woman shopper? <laughs> and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. I'm sure Adam liked that, and my husband will like that because he is so smart. Well, she took of the fruit thereof, she ate it, she gave it to her husband, and he did eat. They gave nothing back to the giver. They gave to each other, and problems began to mount and mount and mount. Adam was a taker. They became naked. And immediately they turned to what God had made. They started grabbing the fig leaves. There must have been a reason for God to make those big leaves. But isn't, it, isn't this crazy? When you read this like I'm trying to do it to you, I've been through this once. I'm just taking you through with me again. Just read the simple parts of the Bible and you'll understand that man is always coming back to God. Always. They make a mess, and I come back. I get right, and then I get in a mess. Then I come back. I mean, I'm not going to walk with you. I'm not going to take your word. Don't touch that. I'm going to touch it because I think I can handle it. And then all of a sudden, you have the explosion. And you come to church for two Sundays, maybe just one. And you feel like if I can just get a little religion, I just got to get, boy, I really messed up last week, but I'm going to come and, Man, I'm going to be singing, and I'm going to quiet. I'm going to stay awake for most of the sermon, and I, you know, I'm just going to go on with it. It just doesn't work, does it? But the problem is, is that not what most of us do? Is anybody here seeing Adam or Eve in, in yourself? All of us should see it at one time or another because it's been there. There's not a single giver here that did not go over a hill somewhere. They were, or went through a valley. They went through some experience, and they learned to give. And when they learned to give, the windows of heaven opened up. And they began to go day by day. And while the world thinks, all the church wants is my money. There is somebody that wants your money. But it isn't the church. It's Satan and his followers and you are and I are inundated with the sneaky ways. Nobody ever had poverty problems because they gave to God. None. Those came because the world has blinded you to where you think just like the world. And so you're experiencing what they are experiencing. You know, when you're spiritually blind, you don't see the obvious. You've heard those words. I always mention this one because it's the most glaring one of all. It's a lottery. A lottery is tax on poor people. That's all it is. It's a tax on poor people. They'll put $10, $20 every single week. That's their retirement for life if they just put it in a, in a savings or an investment of some kind and leave it alone. But no, no. And one week if they get a little, if they get extra $10, they'll put $20 more whatever you know what the real church knows here's what we know I don't have any money neither do you God owns it all 
The real church knows it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The real church knows that God's going to supply its needs if the church will be obedient to the ministry that God wants done. For 50 years, we've witnessed that at Sagemont Church. The majority have never decided to give. Last year, 70 plus percent of the members of Sagemont Church did not give one nickel. But God blessed the others according to their faith. And God has let us carry the gospel to the world. But we could have done more. And we can do a lot more if we understand what God has planned. You know what God can do through a church? Listen to this. God can provide a church where you don't have to pay to park. Can you imagine such a church as that? Can you imagine an entertainment event where you don't have to pay to park? Oh, yeah. A church can provide free counseling to its members and the friends of of them. A faithful church can provide visitors to go to the hospitals every day to every person that desires a visit from its membership. No charge. It can have a helping hands ministry where food and rent and furniture and automobiles and utilities from the needy, not the abusive, not the professionals wanting to be takers, but people that walk with God. When one hurts, they all hurts. A real church can do that. Free home repairs, free wills, free powers of attorneys, free physician directive documents that cost hundreds of dollars, absolutely free. A church can do that if it walks with God. A church can provide free care for children for most of its events. In fact, a day like today, there's 350 at least volunteer adults taking care of hundreds of children. When you go by, if you get a bill, would you please bring it to me? Free transportation is needed. Free library. Multi-million dollar facilities free for funerals. Free rooms for ministries. Not only the church's ministries, for any godly ministry. Every day, every day, a godly church can do that. How about free seats? How about $350 chairs? They're called opera seats. In the church, you call them preaching seats. How about where a city charges 4000 and to up for cemetery lots? Could a church be able to provide free lots for people that have no money to even bury their loved ones? Could a godly church do that? Could they provide Wednesday night meals for people that need something to eat? Could they have a free staff to call on them 24 hours a day, highly trained, many with 18, 20 years of education in whatever field, and never get a bill from them? Could that happen? I think it could. How about free CDs on an Easter Sunday to everybody that came? How about free Bibles, free videos, free literature? How about going on a mission trip where you all wanted to do mission and be a part of a church that gave half of your way, paid half of your expenses? Whether you gave a dime or not, they would do that. Can you imagine such a church? How about free lunches and dinners for the widows of a church? How about free vacation Bible school for 2,000 children? How about free scholarships for teenagers to go to camp? How about free musical presentations, choirs, orchestras, praise teams, band, dancers, soloists? How about free financial seminars 
where you could come and learn how to handle God's money absolutely free. How about free Wednesday night Bible studies? How about free Sunday Bible studies from several that have many years of education, of formal educations in the best Bible institutions of the world? Could that be possible and you not have to pay for a ticket? How about free estate planning, retirement planning? Could that be done? How about a place of 85 acres, five lakes, a 17,000 square foot lodge? with 24 bedrooms that would be provided for the church family and their family. Could a church do that? How about free prayer warriors? How about free referral services? Need a plumber? Need a whatever? With anybody that doesn't get an override on the deal? How about free employment agencies? How about free classified ads in the, in the paper that the church puts out? How about free custodial services? free utilities, free telephones, free moving services for the needy, free security, free protection services for you and your children when you come to worship here. Last Sunday, the Bellevue Baptist Church stopped a man that was coming in with 45,000 people there. This building is surrounded by security right now to protect you, and no one will touch your children over here without going through a huge amount of security. Can a church do that? Yes, they can. Yes, they can if they just follow God. How about free shuttles? Free medicine for families at special times of, of need. How about having free blood donations? How about free magazine every month? Free t-shirts, free Bibles, free coffee for an adult I connect classes, free meals for family at funerals, free encouragement, free messages dealing with life issues, free counseling for families at time of death, 20% discount, I'm tired. How about free television? Our television going out is $350,000 a year. Our audience, we do not ask. We have never asked you to send a gift here. You don't know enough about what's going on here, but God has provided that free of charge. And that can only be done when God's people that are called by God's name do what God wants done with his resources. So I want to pause and ask a question before my time is gone. You think God really needs your money? No, he does not. But you need to be a giver because you have more of where that comes from when God finds somebody flows well through. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of people whose hearts perfect towards him. God is looking for people to handle his money. And if we will just simply turn to God, if we can understand as God's kids, listen, folks, we don't depend on the federal government. We don't say our father who art in Washington, hallowed be thy name. Oh, God, what's going to happen if they take away Social Security? If you're a widow that walks with God, you will have your needs provided if you can find a godly church where you can be a part because no one is going to be left behind when God's people become God's family and everybody does what God gives them the resources to do. You can't give what you don't have, but such as I do have, that I will give to the Lord. Well, I'm already telling them I'm going to run out of time, but I've got to throw this in. Do you believe the world? I just wrote this down one day this week. Are you ready for this? Go home and check it out. Do you really believe that there are people who pay 
twelve to fifteen thousand dollars more for the automobiles than you pay because there it is. We're going to give you a fifteen thousand dollar discount if you'll just come down to the what's happening now car dealership. Do you really think anybody pays fifteen thousand dollars more than you're going to pay? Have you ever known a person in your lifetime that ever paid when to sticker price? No, everybody got a good deal. The way you got a good deal is you paid for your car when you bought it. That's the way you got a good deal. And they can do that. And we teach you how to do that at Sagemont. Let me ask you another question. How about those so much, another one, double your offer, plus shipping and handling. <laughs> plus shipping and handling, which sometimes is more than what you just bought. Oh, well, sure, I believe that. They wouldn't be on television if it wasn't true. Somebody put them in jail. Wrong, wrong, wrong. How about these medical ads where they tell you and you're going through some terrible disease and they'll show you and this one got well, they got 100%, 100% cured. While you're listening, read the bottom of the screen. It says, don't you expect these results? God help us. How do you put that stuff on television? Well, in a godless world, you can do that. But we know there is one person that can perform miracles, and he's our heavenly father who says, I am the great physician. But we jump on that and fly across the world to get medical treatment. And then when we get the little brochure, we say, oh, I didn't see this. I would have not spent this $1,500 on this round trip. I could have done that in Houston. Well, how about those mad dog lawyers? standing up on trucks, screaming and hollering. <laughs> and what do you want to say? That's who I want. That's who I want. Man, I want Mad Dog. Woo, if I could get a lawyer like that, I'll take him to court. While you're watching them turn their flips and holler, read the bottom of the screen. And you will see, you'll never meet Mad Dog. Mad Dog is representing hundreds of lawyers that are starving to death all over the country that's just looking for a client, you know, and that's all it's going to do. Don't fall for that stuff. It's in the same category of lotteries and everything else that's going on. Oh, the car insurance. You know, normal drive half a car, fourth of a car, whatever that is. Read the line on it says, there are uh, some restrictions that apply. There's some situations, like when it's your fault. <laughs> well, I better shut up. I might get so. <laughs> let me Let me close this out. Listen. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to say to you folks. If you think the church needs your money, I'm telling you, we don't. God needs your money because what we're doing here now, all bills are paid. But there's a world out there where missionaries are coming home and we want to send missionaries out. And we can only do that when other people join with us and then God can do exceeding abundantly through your life. And you'll become the missionary because you'll have a testimony to all the people that know you that you learned something. When you got on board, God showed up. He doesn't give you a dollar for every dime. I'd rather have my health than $10 billion. You say, well, I'm getting old. Let me tell you how old you are. We, we don't measure age right. You say, I'm 85. Don't measure age that way. Go the other way. When are you going to die? That's your age. If you're, if, if you're going to die in two years, you got, you're two years old. Think about this now, old folks. It's a help of senior adults. Hang in here. 
It's not how much is behind us, forgetting those things which lie in the past, looking to those things that lie in the future. I don't know. None of us know what another day is going to bring forth. But as for me and my house, we're going to start serving the Lord. I don't know what the future holds, but I know this. I'm in. And when God finds out you're in, he may change your date. You say, no, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. I know who set the appointments. <laughs> Did you ever have your doctor call you after you had canceled 15 things to be at their appointment and the doctor call you about three hours before and say, we're changing your appointment? Well, I like those kind of calls, all right? And some of us need a call like I'm talking about, you know? The Lord say, all right, I need you. I need you. 1 Chronicles 29, 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that's in the heavens and all that's in the earth is yours. Yours is a kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. It all belongs to him. That's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Know, know it. It'll affect the way you pray. It will remind you that God is always overseeing his own. It will remind you that God must include his children in the blessings that he is watching over. There's a big difference in being a steward and being an owner. We are stewards. We are not owners. He is the owner. We are the stewards. I want to close with a quick story. I haven't told this story in a long time. It happened many years ago when Beth and I were in seminary. 1965, I worked for Sears, Division 6, Sporting Goods, Seminary South uh, Sears Store in Fort Worth, Texas. I was in there one day as a salesman. A little boy came in. He was dressed in raggy clothes. But they had candies displayed everywhere. And this little kid was walking around looking at those glasses. You know, he'd look down here and he'd come. He'd look down here, go all the way around. Well, he, I, he got my attention. So I went over to him. I said, buddy, what are you looking at? He said, I'm looking at that candy. I said, oh, you are? I said, why don't you get you some of it? He said, I ain't got no money. I said, don't worry about that. I got the money. I was a salesman making $6 an hour, you know. <laughs> and taking 20 hours in a seminary. I said, uh, I got the money. So I moved in. I began to push him down towards the chocolate-covered peanuts. I like chocolate. I don't like most of that other stuff. So I began to move the little kid. I was four times his size. So we moved down. I pinned him off. It's either going to be all chocolate, chocolate-covered raisins, or chocolate-covered peanuts. And I said, how about some of them? So he said, he picked it out. They gave him the little bag. When they gave him the little bag, he looked up at me, and I thought, man, that's, that's the greatest blessing I ever had. I helped the little poor kid get some candy. But by then, you know how you look at stuff like that? I just wanted one. I'd spent all of my money, and I wanted one. And I said to that little guy, I said, can I have a piece of that candy? Those blue eyes and that blonde hair turned to look like a bulldog. <laughs> he, gra he grabbed that bag, just like this, both hands. He said, mister, that's my candy. And he took off running. And I played baseball at Baylor. In those days, I could have caught him. I could have stomped him through the asphalt pavement of Sears <laughs> in the flesh. But I didn't. You'll be proud to know that, won't you, before you get up and leave. <laughs> but let me tell you why. I'll tell you that story now, 50 years later. 
That little boy had no idea that I was the source of his supply. He had no idea. He just thought they gave him candy. You know, I don't care where it comes from. He also didn't know I could have caught him. <laughs> and I could have got my candy back. No question in my mind, unless the security would have stopped me. The third thing that I knew was, I didn't have it in my pocket, but I had the resource to get me some more candy if I needed it. I knew where the supply was. And lastly, what I really wanted him to do was to let me celebrate the joy that was on his face when he got the candy. I just wanted to help celebrate it. That's all. That's all I wanted. That's all God wants from us. He wants us to celebrate with him. And just say, thank you, Lord. We used to sing the doxology every service. And praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. That's what I want to use as a doxology today. God wants you to be saved. Can he get by without you? Yes, he can. But he wants to fellowship with you. He wants the joy to see your life turn around. He wants those of you that have been beat up and battered financially to let us help you, counsel with you, talk to you, and show you who's really getting the money.